Good morning, everyone. It is a good morning. We have this uh, opportunity, <clears throat> as Tanisra was uh, reminding us last night, to to do something that the, the great wise ones over the ages have recognized is, is so important. We have the opportunity to train the heart so that it uh, so that we can ac- access the the treasures of uh, seeing clearly, living wisely, little by little relinquishing uh, what is uh, toxic, destructive, a waste of our time and energy. The untrained mind just tyrannizes ourselves in the world, and the trained, uh, the trained mind, the trained heart, uh, liberates us and reveals reveals to us our true home, our natural mind. our resting place, which, uh, as the Buddha realized on his awakening, much to his surprise that it's always here and now. It's not that he got it. He let go of looking in the wrong place. Imagining we have to get somewhere else I have to get rid of something. Being deluded by those views, those thought formations coming through the mind which presented themselves as truth, as facts, when really they were just thoughts, led to this endlessly turning wheel of samsara, trying to get there overlooking all the time the, the treasure, the luminous heart, or as he referred to it, uh, sometimes the original brightness, which is always here and now, which we chanted this morning. This Dhamma, this true nature is Sanditiko, it's always here and now, Akaliko, timeless, Ehi Pasiko, always the door is open. We don't need a Special key, special skin color, special gender, special credentials. It's ahi, it's always saying, come. Pasiko, come see, come listen. So encouraging us in this training of the heart, we work with what is. If we have a tired nervous system, or a, which I certainly experienced uh, this morning, that doesn't mean to say that is an obstacle 
to us seeing the truth. We patiently, kindly work with what is stress system. If we're just abiding in deep, unshakable bliss, keep going and sharing the vibes with all of us. That's good. But let's work with what is. Training the heart. In this very important aspect of the training. Remembering that this this training that the Buddha simplified into three aspects. The the training of living with integrity, what Tanisra referred to as the ethical training. That learning not to say, not to do certain things that harm ourselves and others. That even though that sounds negative, actually that's a gift. It offers freedom from fear, hostility and oppression to others. And by the nature of causation, it it comes back. It offers that to us. And little by little, we get free from remorse. If you notice, when we sit down here and pause, we remember what we've said and done. It's how it works. So this training then is a platform for this second aspect of the training of the samadhi, the training of the mind to be steady, gathered, not fractured, disjointed, scattered, but unified. So concentration is a word sometimes unfortunately gives the connotation of the laser beam. Sounds like we're supposed to make ourselves into an ice pick. And sometimes, you know, occasionally that aspect of concentration is helpful. But over the years I've noticed uh, we, we, many of us, have, as we pick up these teachings, too much try to do that. And you notice someone's face is shriveled up and narrowed as, as the concept. Stressful. Whereas uh, concentric, concentric circles have a center that still is cognizant of what is around it. Centered, not shut off, still perhaps aware. To be concentrated doesn't mean to say we have to shut everything else out. One can be centered, still here. If we're not centered, then tap on the window. It's just like a the image that comes is like a like a dog that uh, uh, something taps. <laughs> a leaf flutters. <laughs> Someone was. <laughs> And so we're not really centered with getting... Now, as Tanissa was reminding us, you know, there is some wisdom in, the, in, in dogs. Uh, our, our guru Jack nooms on. 
there's wisdom. He was, held many portfolios, head of security. And there is a time when you're head of security that you've got to be vigilant. Who knows when the baboons are coming and they didn't have passes. Everybody loved Jack except the baboons. And, you know, so when you're head of security, you've got to be on call. But also he was head of, 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 uh, of reception. He could also welcome people, so he could change gears too. And I'll just throw this in as an aside, but I can't go into much detail, as you'll see. He was also vice chairman of the secret school subcommittee. <laughs> but if you ask him about that, oh, this is... We're on, our life is so stressed, we are our own security all the time, and we get so activated that we don't know this dimension, many of us. I certainly had no, no idea being wired for the wrestling tournaments, for the exams to, to, to be the best, being wired to always being so conditioned for competition constantly activated what, what, what now in science we, we, we through some of the research, uh, recognize is, is the function, and it has a, has a wise function, of the, a useful, life-saving function of the sympathetic nervous system that can, when the perception mechanisms recognize a fight situation or a flight situation or a freeze situation that's useful. When there's danger, it's protecting, running, or the freeze, sometimes it's useful just to disassociate. We've seen the pictures of the, um, the impala maybe, you know, peacefully grazing these incredibly elegant and sleek antelopes. They really are so stylish. They're amazing, beautiful creatures. But then if the uh, leopard or the lion comes, or they even get a scent, the, the recognition of the danger and then, and then the running and that sympathetic nervous system that kicks in all those helpful stress hormones. That empowers, flushes the body with incredible power and strength to run or to fight in other situations. And even, I've seen pictures even of a, of a lion catching one of these uh, creatures. And then the, the freeze mechanism happened. The, the, the creature just goes limp. It's not dead. Disassociates, shock. And then the lion thinks, oh, it's all done. It kind of loses interest or maybe will come back later for its meal. But if you noticed, uh, I've seen these pictures of the, of the zebra or the antelope then get up and then start to shake and discharge. <laughs> and then just carry on.
It's a recognition that many of us stay on this activation all the time. Don't discharge our thinking mechanisms, remembering the, the dangers and pumping ourselves up to, to get somewhere, to fend off stuff. And that other dimension of the nervous system, the calming, the restoring, what's called the parasympathetic system, is uh, languishing. The samadhi practices were what the Buddha, and well, he didn't have the scientific research, he knew this. He recognized this as the healing principle, the restoring principle. These practices, and what are they essentially? He described the samadhi practices as chitta-kagata. Chitta, the heart, gets unified. It's taking the different dimensions of our being and bringing them back together so that they're regulated, harmonized, balanced. Cognitive dimension, what he called the vachi sankara. It sounds like it's speech, but it's what we speak, what we think. So this is talking about the thinking dimension. So dimension is a whole karmic stream of all our thoughts of wanting and not wanting and considering and getting stuck. Kaya Sankara, the bodily dimension, that stream of karma that comes and goes and sits and lies down and eats excretes and breathes. That gets exhausted and refreshed and hungry and restored. And then there's the jitta sankara, the, the, the heart that knows, that's attracted that's repulsed, that gets seduced, that gets terrified, that gets soothed. Chitta, the heart, it's the heart that then unifies and gathers in the body and the mind. And when the Buddha spoke about what is the Function. What is the value of this uh, practice? He said, one, this training that we're doing, we learn in time to be able to access a pleasant abiding, a way of accessing a pleasing way of being. That, as we've been pointing out, is very, very special because it's not dependent on external conditions. It's not chewing up anything outside us knocking anyone away. Little by little over the weeks and months and years, 
We're patient with this training. We learn how to truly take a holiday, a holy day, a day of restoring, gathering, a moment of bringing back together, plugging back in to the depths of our being. Very, very helpful, pleasant abiding. It's the healing faculty. He said also, it, as we trained in knowledge and vision, we have access to that. The instrument of knowing, of understanding, is this awareness. Training our awareness more and more fully and wholeheartedly to be here. In its most subtle states, the, 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 when, when there is great unification of heart, then there's more intuitive, possibility of intuitive knowing. In its uh, highest forms, uh, you know, the Buddha could know the sense, the thoughts of others, could know the past, know the future. But we don't need even just to look at these more impressive aspects of subtle knowing that when we get more gathered our thinking is more lucid. When we're gathered and plugged in here the body as it really is, feelings as they really are, are revealed. There's the understanding. Happens naturally. Thirdly, this, this practice, this training of learning moment to moment, training ourselves to be here, be here now, gives rise to a mindfulness and alertness for our life, so we become present for our life. Not just sort of half here, because we're, we're getting to the good stuff. Our life becomes more present for us. Or as the Buddha, uh, Buddha said, you know, the mindfulness is the path to the deathless. Heedlessness is the path to death. We, when we're not really truly here, we're, we're, we're not really alive. The mindful never die. He said the heedless are, are as if dead already. Pleasant abiding knowledge and vision, mindfulness. And the most uh, profound value of this practice is when we are more here, training ourselves in, in what seems so insignificant, being present for a step, being present for the span of an in-breath, span of an in-breath, we've got the world on fire. I've got a million decisions to make. My dad is, is not well, and I want to help him in the span of a span of an in-breath, span of an out-breath. The most wonderful aspect of this presence is that it will liberate us. It liberates us from endless birth and death, liberates us from suffering. Because when the heart is really 
present. You will see clearly. The image given is when the heart is really unified, it's like a cast iron stove that's been heated for hours. And when a drop of water falls, it's so clearly there and then empty. It's gone. Again, when our heart is present, here, unified in this moment, then the thoughts, I'm happy, I'm not happy, are seen so clearly as coming and going, insubstantial, and this unmoving, ever-present matrix, context, ground of our being. It's obvious, that knowing, that awareness. So encouraging us to stay with this practice, And to regulate, letting these practices regulate these dimensions of our being, our head, our body, our heart. The supports the Buddha gave us. Being with the breathing. Being with the breathing, mindfulness, anapanasati, mindfulness of the in and out breath was a method that he used on the night of his enlightenment. This is a, um, a method we can use. It's, we don't need special equipment. We have our body, which is breathing as long as it's alive. And this first tool, these jhana factors, these supports, that lead to this first profound level, which is like a natural note. It's a natural resonance that the body-mind will vibrate with. It's natural. It's supported by vitaka vichara, a thought that reminds us here. Or as Tanisra was, uh, has been encouraging us, how is it now? That thought, rather than being an obstruction, directs us. It dissolves so that we can be here. But the thought itself is an aid. How is it now? Breathing in, breathing out is an example of a vitaka. It's a thought. When the vachisankara, when the mental energies, the head energies are out of control, we're constantly thinking, trying to figure it all out, and it activates us, keeps us going, going, going. That is balanced by vitaka and vichara, by just a thought, but it's a short thought. We're moderating thought. Rather than thinking to figure it all out, we're using a short thought and letting the thought dissolve. The thought just to what? Bring us back here. That's why it's called unifying. The thought is encouraging us to be with the body, to be with this moment, this posture, this experience of sitting, feeling the pressure of 
gravity on the mat, on the cushion, on the chair. It's not in the way, bringing the mind here. That's the yang. It's, there's a subtle effort in it. If that's all we have, and we just keep saying, get back there, get back there. That's like the ice pick. If we only know Vitaka, we're pushing so hard. There's no ease in that. If we ever had a conversation with someone where they're asking us how we are, but we feel pinned to the wall, and they're going on and on and on and on and on. There's the directing the mind, and then there's the receiving. That's what the Buddha called vichara, or that aspect of attention that then receives. How is it now we then receive? And the attention's feeling out, oh, the nervous system, the pressure, the posture. Oh, I'm hunched up. Remembering that we can breathe, that long breath, breathing in, finding ourselves here and breathing out, relaxing. Vichara is, the, is, is not a big essay. It might sound like it because it's sometimes translated as discursive thought. But really it's the directed thought like here now or breathing in or butto brings us here and then the mind which opens and receives and then feels out. And there, yes, there's an assessment, but it's not a big thinking assessment. Like when, when I feel out and notice, oh, I'm, I'm leaning, then there's a natural adjustment. Or if as I feel out the present moment and notice my shoulders hunched up, there's a natural adjustment. That adjustment comes out of the understanding of having felt in and received. So already the healing process is starting, the balancing process is started. I encourage us not to throw away the, the uh, too quickly the, the vitaka vichara, the, the thoughts. Sometimes we think, oh, thinking is just driving me nutty, and so we love it when the mind goes quiet. And yes, that is lovely, but then it's so easy just to drift the first profound level of peace, what's called the first jhana, is a, is, has within it vitaka vichara. Meaning, one can be deeply, deeply peaceful with the thought breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Bud. It's not disturbing. Haven't you ever done a really delicate thing and you're reminding yourself, steady, steady. That thought is there. It's not disturbing. It's reminding you, helping one keep on track. I encourage, learn how those shorter thoughts, it can be numbers, you can, some people count, breathing in, breathing out, one, two, two, 
three, three, maybe five breaths. Starting again, or bud, toe, or even in, out. I encourage you to, to use a thought, stay with it, as a way of training ourselves how to regulate the out-of-control thinking using a simple thought that directs us here and reminds us to then feel into, the attention feels into and receives the body and adjusts. Stay with that, with the steps of walking as well. Vitaka Vichara, the third jhana factor that's very helpful, the support for this learning how to access a pleasing abiding, a unification of being, is what's called pitti, which is translated as rapture sometimes. That's a very strong word. It can flower into that, but the seed of it is learning to be filled with, to savor. And even if your nervous system is tired, as mine is today, I know, I trust that, that the, this quality means to even, just like a mother would cradle a, a tired child or a child not feeling very well, just hold that, savor that, feel into that. The power of awareness blesses. Awareness is Bhagava, it's blessed. It quickens the vibration when awareness is non-judgmental and kind and patient. We then feel and hold and be filled with practice enjoying. Actually, even though my nervous system is tired, it's very peaceful. Can we practice enjoying quietly? Doesn't have to clap our hands. Yippee! Breathing in. Yippee! Breathing out. That might happen. But to quietly, even the tired sensations or whatever one has, breathing out, feeling into them, the attention will find a place. Breathe in and out and relax. That undermines that uh, uh, activity that's always seeking something else. That's combined with this next factor, sukha, means relaxed. A lot of us really put way too much stress in trying to get peaceful, trying too hard. Ajahn Chah just said he, he tried too hard with the breath. Then he just noticed when he wasn't trying to meditate, it was all fine. So we're, we're tuning, becoming good at qigong. We're learning how to work with, understand, become more skillful with our energetic flow. Using that long breath when it's helpful just to arrive. That was a natural sequence the Buddha gave, but we don't have to go through it like that every time. But when we're lost, a long in-breath is helpful. A long out-breath, and the out-breath 
wakes up, the turns on that parasympathetic calming because it's a letting go, a relinquishing. The in-breath more activates the sympathetic when we're really too sluggish and then we can just recognize that focusing more on the in-breath to energize. The out-breath calms. And for a lot of us that are overly activated, that's really helpful to remind ourselves, oh, it's, it's safe, relatively speaking, safe, with kindred spirits, feeling the ground that soothes the system to feel the stability of ground that's holding us. Remembering that we have this ocean of vitality around us and we have permission to breathe in whenever we want. We can breathe out and relax whenever we want. And then naturally letting your attention, what's called the short breath, or just being with a part of the body. Ajahn Chah like the nostrils. It's, it's, I enjoy being with the breathing there. In, out, bud, steady, toe. No matter how many times we get pulled away, just for a while today, practicing. It's not being unkind when we don't have to follow every thought. We just say, thank you, not now. For the sake of not being a slave, bringing the attention back with a bud toe or a thought. How is it? to then feel into the moment and steady with this being with the breathing at the nostrils or maybe the chest or the belly. As the attention relaxes, the attention on the body, the thoughts reminding ourselves to be here patiently, the heart holding it, little by little, deepening our capacity to enjoy. Quietly, just being with what is. And then time, in time, explore the, as, we, as the energy stays, the attention stays somewhere, it quickens that vibration. Training ourselves to allow the attention to expand so that that Energy can bless the rest of the body. The Buddha taught us, taught us it's important to train ourselves to be sensitive to the whole body. So this part we, we just feel our own way with allowing the lens of awareness to widen. And using that out-breath to calm to tranquilize this body-mind. A training for the rest of our life, if little by little by little we train ourselves to be here 
we will be cultivating a wonderful refuge, a healing refuge. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.